93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Very pleased to welcome to the Eagle Studios uh, the general manager and CEO of Boone Electric Cooperative, Mr. Todd Coley. Todd, good to have you with us this morning. Good to have you, too. It's always nice to visit, and we always find some interesting things to discuss. Yeah. Did the winds of the past week uh, affect uh, your world in any way? A little bit. Nothing too severe. I think at max, we had under 150 consumers or members out of power. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, and I uh, had everything restored, I believe, about 1.30 in the morning. Okay. Very good. And uh, oftentimes, uh, you're, you volunteer your crews to go to other parts of the country. Have you been called down to Kentucky or any of those areas affected by the tornadoes? Not by the tor- tornadoes, we have not. That okay. requires a certain uh, different type of uh, work to be done. Yep. And what we usually find is when we come into those areas, we do simply don't have the businesses or homes hmm. to restore power to. Yeah. So we, it's a quick termination of the lines to make them safe, to de-energize them. And it's usually months, if not years, before the, the power restoration actually takes place at those facilities. Really? Wow, that's interesting. Well, let's. Uh, I kind of got the cart before the horse here, but... Uh, uh, Todd Coley is a general manager and CEO of the Boone Electric Cooperative. Todd, tell people a little bit about your background. Uh, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? How did you end up in Columbia, Missouri? Sure. So I grew up in Boone County, Indiana, northwest of Indianapolis, just a little bit, out in a rural area. And uh, went to school in Indiana and graduated from Indiana University's business school. Later went on back to get a master's degree and started in the utility world in 1992. Okay. So Next year will be 30 years. Wow. Very good. And you kind of, uh, as I recall, we had you back uh, on the show back in June of 2020. uh, And as I recall, uh, you had somewhat of a uh, your journey to become the director of Electric Cooperative. What was the connection between how did you end up in Boone County, Missouri from Boone County, Indiana? Sure. So soon after I graduated in college, I began to work for an investor owned utility that's now part of Duke Energy. Hmm. Uh, back east, yeah. and I was in the sales and marketing department promoting energy efficiency programs and demand-side management, trying to postpone the utility from having to build a new coal-based or nuclear-based uh, power plant by reducing demand. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a few years and then was promoted into district manage- management, where I managed three offices in southern Indiana. And from there, I uh, got to know folks in the cooperative program, and I noticed there was a big difference hmm. uh, between us, and uh, mainly that their management seemed to sleep better at night. <laughs> and, and That is uh, the difference between an investor-owned utility and a cooperative. Is that correct? Yes, that's okay. exactly right. right. There's great people that work in the investor-owned utility mm-hmm. world, and, and I'm still friends with a lot of those folks, but it was just hard not to fall in love with the cooperative business model. Mm-hmm. And so I got familiar with it. I had the opportunity to walk almost across the street and uh, left one utility and uh, on a on a Friday and I think Wednesday I was starting to following Wednesday as with the cooperative and 
and really enjoyed that. Got to understand the program. Did that for a few years before transferring to Iowa to actually manage an electric utility uh, on the uh, cooperative side. So I was in Iowa, southeast Iowa, about five years Mm. uh, before the opportunity at Boone Electric opened up in 2007 and uh, have been proudly here since then. Yeah, great. Well, uh, those of us who uh, make the at least the annual pilgrimage by uh, down the range trying to see the Boone Electric Christmas tree, it's kind of an unconventional Christmas tree. What what, is, what kind of tree is that, by the way, on the range line that you all, you all have lit up? I, you know, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would just say large and green. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know if it's a type of a, a spruce or a blue yeah. spruce, but that is a significant tree to us. Yeah. It's as you all know, it's very large, and and we have two or three times added more lights to it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, with our new headquarters project that we've been working on, we we deviated some of our plans around that tree to protect that tree. Absolutely, yeah, yeah that's great. Well, I'm sure people will be happy. That's a tradition for a lot of people. And uh, if you have driven by recently, there is a very large construction project going on in the background. It's really starting to take shape. I know that you feel like you've been doing this forever. But, but uh, it is uh, the the steel looks like it's uh, pretty much complete uh, for the most part on the project. Uh, give us an update on that project and and uh, what the total scope is. Sure. So back in about 2017 and 18, our board began talking very seriously about an, the need for a new facility because the maintenance costs on the existing buildings that were all connected under one roof mm-hmm. were getting to be so significant that the feasibility studies said over time it's actually more affordable to your membership to be in a newer facility mm-hmm. especially as you look out 50 and 60 years yeah and so we started a process and evaluate started looking at uh, who could help us with that and uh, and we ended up uh, finding a local contractor to manage mm-hmm. that for us in coil construction after looking across the state and throughout the region and we did look at some other alternatives and uh, found out that the local option, which is not only more favorable price-wise, but we felt with responsiveness and quality also. Yeah. And so this this project, uh, a lot of it is the steel is up. Uh, there's some steel still to go up. Uh, we're looking at a completion date and likely summer, early fall of this next year, 2022. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, and so, yeah, the scope of it has been refined over the last uh, year to two. And uh, I think the community is really going to enjoy the new community room. And I say community rooms because there's going to be three conjoined there that can open up into one large one. And yeah. the steel for that facility has not gone up yet. And that would be immediately to the south of the structure that you see today, which is the main headquarters building. Yeah, you guys are very gracious uh, letting outside organizations uh, use your facility. Uh, what's the part of the new building that maybe you're looking forward to the most? I would say uh, the, the what we call the large vehicle storage building, which is near completion now. And it's hard to see from the road. Much of the activity is taking place to the west of Range Line. It's hard to see as you drive by. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly substantial campus. I want to say the better part of 18 acres. Wow. And there's actually seven buildings that have been that are going to be built or have been remodeled. Uh, and I believe three additionals that we had to demolish. So there's the project has involved, I believe it's 10 different buildings. Hmm. So getting that first building done, this large vehicle storage building, allows us to get our fleet and trailers and equipment, some of that sensitive stuff that we don't want out in the weather, 
undercover and in a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. And so being able to get us all into that space uh, will free up much of the rest of the remaining facilities so that the construction can continue or actually begin in some of those areas. So we're literally changing tires on a moving car, trying to run a utility mm-hmm. while constructing right on top of us at the same time. I don't think most people probably realize that your campus goes from range line all the way back uh, to uh it's uh, it kind of intersects with the Nebraska Avenue, but it's is it Sixth Street or Fifth Street back there? Do you happen to know I, the type I, yet? I think that's correct. Yeah, one it, of those two. I know the sewer district is back there, and uh, they're they're in one of your buildings, and and uh, that's correct. Uh, so that is a very large campus. If you remember the All States Motel, where there was a a little motel uh, named after all fifty states, uh, set on that property at one time, and so that's just uh, it's a big campus. It really is. So, yes, it, it it certainly is, and. And uh, I got to tell you, I think it was fall of 2020, as we really started to see what the design was going to look like, that we were saying, hey, we're looking at about a $29 million construction project here with all the facilities involved. And so since then, we've had this pandemic, and now we have supply chain issues. We've had tremendous escalation in material costs, Mm -hmm. uh, and we're seeing that in our primary business also. And despite all of that... Today's all-in number on construction, subject to any additional change orders or a change of scope that might happen, it's mm-hmm. hard to say. Right now, our number is twenty-nine million one hundred fourteen thousand dollars. So you're you're staying right on the budget, but it includes about six hundred thousand dollars in change orders to date. So I'm very proud of the team. I'm proud of Coil, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a couple of great architects that are working with us with SOA and Connell Architecture. Oh, yeah. Those guys have done a great job for us, as, as well as our own employees that yeah. have been directly involved in the project. Well, that's what's so impressive. Usually when you get to a project of that scope, there's a tendency to take it to a St. Louis or Kansas City uh, construction firm. And, and you know, as someone who owned a business here in, for, for 25 years, I want to say hats off to you for, for keeping it local. I know that there is uh, there is a firm that specializes in building electric cooperatives and there's there is a, a relationship but but you decided to kind of uh, maybe uh, move away from that norm and, and hire a local contractor and uh, uh, you know, it's that's great because that keeps those jobs and those dollars in this community. But using a local architect, losing using a local construction firm, uh, that uh, that that is a real benefit to the local community. So thank you for doing that. It's yeah, it, it's been a prerogative of of our board and really our staff too. And and we all know people that are directly involved there. And recirculating that money in the economy is just a huge shot in the arm for for all of us. And I would tell you that that's that's pretty much a non-negotiable point yeah but i'll also tell you that we're talking an order of magnitude that is very significant of how much money we've been able to save versus using a non-local option yeah keeping it local you still save money which tremendous is tremendous amount great tremendous and, amount. yeah uh yeah great you know coil does amazing work and and uh it's it's good to see that uh you're you're having that experience out there i um when you when you look at um, your business today, there was a big announcement in the news that I want to get to that before our break because uh, Ameren announced that they were going to uh, close down one of their coal powered power plants. Is I think that's right Correct. near near Festus uh, or Fallon, but I believe but, it was Rush Island. Okay, and so they uh, and they really weren't scheduled to close it until twenty years from now. 
Uh, but, but things have happened where they have decided, um, just because of all the retooling and, and the, uh, uh re- regulations and requirements that would, would be involved, it was probably better financially for, and they are an investor owned utility, correct, Amron? Is that right? That is correct. Uh, all right. Um, it was really in their best interest to go ahead and shut it down in the next couple of years, which is, of course, going to cost a lot of jobs, you know, to uh, to that area. But uh, talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. I'd like to t- paint it in a broader brush. OK, so right. we have seen dozens of facilities similar to this uh, this year and, and last year that have come offline or or shut down uh, prematurely. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Without getting into a lot of the nitty-gritty behind the scenes, I can tell you that industry-wide, there is a significant amount of concern that this much baseload power generation is, is coming off of the grid. And we, are, we want to let the public know we, we are not anti-renewable energy right. at all. In but fact, it comes we've with got a long history. That, well, sure, it yeah. comes with a cost. Yeah. But, but there's still a lot of good there. But mm-hmm. but we are not replacing as a nation this baseload power that is coming offline that generally is coal based with baseload generation. And so you're taking a firm source of power generation off the grid and we're replacing it with an intermittent or variable power supply with renewables. So and let me break that down to layman's terms. So when you say firm, you're, you're talking about what you're basically talking about is reliable. I mean, it's, that is correct. And, uh, and when you say intermittent, you're saying that, hey, sometimes, uh, the wind energy is there. Sometimes the solar energy is there. That's correct. And sometimes it's not. That's absolutely correct. Okay. And so that, that has brought the concern up to a level that here just a couple of weeks ago, it was in the news that the New England independent system operator we call it the new england iso they're responsible for managing the electric flows across the new england state so there's multiple utilities under that iso the iso has issued an alert to the public to say we're not sure we can guarantee adequate power supply especially during extreme weather and so this is a major concern that most of us don't give it a second thought until that light doesn't come on. Yeah. And so I fully expect to see uh, rolling blackouts at some point during extreme weather that will likely start in the New England area. And, of course, we can get into it maybe in the next session yeah. a little bit. But but uh, we've seen a little taste of that this last February around yeah. President's Day uh, holiday Down with, in the, Texas. Polar, with yeah. the polar vortex. Yeah. It's a, it's a, there's a similar theme that we're going to probably be exposed to more and more as that baseload generation is not replaced with 